reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial informational topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. This is Mike Frost. Today we have a very special guest along with David Lee, our CEO and founder, and Natalie, our producer and marketing director. Okay, how you t- two doing today? We're, I'm great, Mike. All right, good. Doing wonderful. All right. Well, now to our special guest. This guest has co-hosted seminars with us. We regularly refer clients to her for her legal advice, and she is simply the best in her field. She graduated summa cum laude from college, and thank you, Laudy, from law school. <laughs> she settled in Bentonville, where she's starting her 22nd year of practice, handling wills and trusts, real estate, business formation, contracts, and mediation. She serves on the Circle of Life Advisory Board and the City of Bentonville's Airport Advisory Board. She's an award-winning columnist for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette with her bi-weekly column, My Roots Are Showing, in its eighth year a certified master gardener for 17 years, and a good old Southern gal all her life. She lives off the Bentonville Square with her husband, dog, fish, cats, and huge rabbits named Gus and Woodrow in (laughs) honor of the greatest Western ever. She claims a high level of mediocrity in a variety of hobbies and was once bitten by a camel. Please welcome to the podcast, Lisa Kelly Gibbs. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Well, Lisa, we're glad you're here. Today, we've got uh, lots of questions from a lot of our clients uh, about legal matters. And so since you're the legal expert, we want to kind of ask you a few questions and get your viewpoint on these. So you ready for that? You bet. All right. I got to interrupt here. First, before we get into all this legal stuff, I got to know the bitten by a camel story. (laughs) I thought I was going to slip that by you. (laughs) Bitten by a camel. Yeah, my uncle and I were in Cookville, Tennessee several years ago, and we were at a farm sale, and uh, a camel befriended me, and I was loving on him and everything, and I started to go away, and he wasn't ready for me to go away, so he (laughs) gently nudged me back, and I scratched his nose a little bit more, and then I said, no, I've really got to go, and uh, he didn't want me to go, so he grabbed my arm and decided to pull me back into the pen with him, so I got bit by a camel. Yep. Now, I'm from Tennessee, David, and I didn't know we had camels in Tennessee. So that's, See, that's didn't I'm I didn't educating either. you on all kinds of levels We learn something on today. every podcast. <laughs> every podcast, <laughs> we, we learn something new. <laughs> all right, Lisa, let's get to your expertise. So as it pertains to retirement, pre-retirees, from a legal point of view, what do you see the most common things people overlook? Well, you know, I can only speak about from my perspective, and of course, I always see the things that cross my desk are the, the problem children, the things that people don't do right. So I don't always see when things go right. Um, and the thing I'd say that most people do wrong, be they retiree, pre-retiree, uh, or, or any age, is not planning anything. You can, you can plan wrong, but it's almost harder to plan wrong than it is not plan for anything. So just having an estate plan having your ducks in a row, knowing where you want things to go, because dying what we call intestate, dying without wills, dying without your estate plan, is not something that uh, 
most people want if they understand all the rules about it. That's quite interesting. And you say you, you see the people that have the problem. So what we're here for is to prevent some of those problems. So, mm-hmm. so if we're the people listening to this podcast and potential clients that we talk to, and we're referring things like, so what is it they would need as basics to be prepared? Basic estate planning. My, my first thing I start out with is I ask, what's your goal? I want to know what your goal is. And from there, I can put you, you know, a Ford or a Chevy will get you where you're going. So, you know, whether people need a will or a trust or these sorts of things really depends on what their goal is. But I would say at a bare minimum, every single person above the age of 18 needs a will. They need powers of attorney for health care and for business and financial needs. They need a living will. These are advanced directives that say, you know, if I'm in a condition where I'm not able to communicate what I want, this is going to let you communicate what you want at end of life. And then I always put in my estate plans what's called a final disposition. <clears throat> that sounds really awful, and it sort of is, but it's, it's what, what do you want to have happen next? You've passed away. You know, a lot of times we stop at that living will, but you know, your family still has to prepare for your funeral wishes. And a lot of times, especially kids, you know, they only want to do what their parents wanted. And if they don't know what you want, they're going to question every decision they make. So I always put that final disposition in there. So you put advanced directives about your funeral. Now, people sometimes need trusts too, again, depending on their goals. Um, but, but the will, powers of attorney, living will, those are your three biggies. You know, it sounds, I'm, I really, really appreciate you starting off with goals because that's exactly what we do as financial advisor. We got to figure out wh- what are your goals? What do you want to get to? And then we can help figure out a path to do that. And it sounds like you do the same thing. So we'll get about the will, the power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some confusion about a power of attorney. What all can a power of attorney do? Well, a power of attorney is, is can do whatever you can do or whatever you've put them, it's their authority to do within that that document. So I can make a limited power of attorney that says, David, I want you to go to a house closing for me. I'm not going to be able to go. I give you authority to sign those documents in my name. That's a limited or specific power of attorney. That's not what we're talking about in estate planning. I need you to do everything for me. Anything I could do, now David can do. He can take care of picking out the doctor, picking out the nursing home. He can sign my checks. So that's what you want, a general durable power of attorney. Oh, that sounds uh, pretty serious. So if if, Dave, if you want David picking out your stuff, then you want to make sure Dave is the right person. Exactly. Okay. So exactly. That- you got to be someone you trust. A lot of people ask, well, does it have to be a kid who lives near me? Does it have to be, you know, sure. In the, in the best world, sure. It's the kid who lives next door to you who takes care of you. But it doesn't have to be, especially we're so mobile today and technology the way it is. You can do so many things from afar. I was my mom's power of attorney and I was six hours away. Um, and, you know, sure, it's kind of hard, but people get so caught up on the will part and probating and not to say it's not important. But if you don't have a power of attorney, you have to have a guardianship. And a guardianship, in my mind, is far worse than any probate I've ever seen. Again, it goes back to the goals. You, it, it, you're actually, uh, full disclosure here, you're my attorney and you've done this for us. You want to make it as simple as possible to achieve the goal. As simple as possible. There's no need to complicate things. Okay. Good. Life's Good. complicated enough. So we got the power of attorney. Now, power of attorney, you can do it at, at any age for someone. Mm-hmm. And it, as long, so let's ask this question. So right now I'm 60 years old. David is uh, a little over 45. So if David <laughs> was my power of attorney, my general power of attorney, 
he could sign checks. He could do anything for me. Is that correct? He can do yes. If you ha he has a general durable healthcare or and financial power of attorney, he can do anything for you. Now, here's the one kicker: he can only do things for you. He can only do what you can do. If you have passed away, that power of attorney expires too. When you expire, it expires. So a lot of people get that confused. They, mom's passed away. They take that power of attorney and they truck off to the bank to get in the safe deposit box. You ain't getting in the safe deposit box because the mom's passed away. Well, uh, you, you brought up safe deposit box. I wouldn't what we're going to talk about today. But you're, do you recommend people doing safe deposit boxes? Oh, my bank folks are going to not like this answer. <laughs> but... I don't. It's not my preference. I know a lot of people just love their safe deposit boxes because they're safe. And that's by golly right. It's too safe sometimes. We have terrible times getting in to safe deposit boxes. You know, I, I have a bad business plan, I guess, because part of my goal is to have you never come back to a lawyer. So if, if I give you something and you're going to then go to the safe deposit box and you now can't get into it without a court order, You've got to come to a lawyer to go to the court to get a court order to get in there. My preference is to use a safe at home. Yes, somebody can truck off with your safe and steal your things in there, but I haven't had that happen nearly as many times as I've had difficulty getting in safe deposit boxes. And I know that you recommend a fireproof and waterproof safe. I do. It's counterintuitive because you think we don't live in a floodplain. Why would I need that? I'm just going to get a fire safe, spring the extra 20 bucks, get the flood one. Because what do the fire department do? What do they do when you come in? Mm -hmm. They flood your house. <laughs> and so it gives you a little bit of extra protection. Spring that 20 bucks out of your wallet there, Mike. Get you the one that has both. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I did get one on her recommendation. So, Okay. Trust versus a will. A uh, lot of discussion about that. We see lots of clients that have trust and may or may not need them. So just general guidelines. I know everyone's different, but just general guidelines. Who would need either? You've already said everybody needs a will. Mm -hmm. So then who would yeah. need a trust? So, you know, this is like a year in law school. So I'm going to give you the uh, Reader's Digest Cliff Note version. Um, I... I I'm cynical about some things, and I think a lot of times lawyers push people into trusts that, you know, we charge more for trusts than we do wills. Um, not that any of my fellow Benton County lawyers would ever do that, but I have seen a few from out of state that, um, you know, they come in with a big three-inch binder, and, and they don't understand what they've signed, and a lot of times they don't need it. Now, 20 years ago, we didn't have some of the tools we have now, and to pass property 20 years ago... You, you did need a trust. It was That was the recommended way. In 2005, we got what's called beneficiary deeds. So for a lot of folks who the only reason they need a trust is to pass real estate down to their heirs, it really the beneficiary deed does what they need. So they would just need that, and we file that of record now. It becomes effective on their death, and real estate's transferred. But if you have what I call strings attached, you want to control something from the grave, the only way to do that is for, through a trust. That allows me to put stuff in there and put someone else after your death in charge of it or on your incapacity in charge of it. And then they can handle those strings that you've got. Say, for example, you've got three kids, two of them doing well, one of them not so much. They're they get spending troubles. Maybe they have an addiction problem or something. If they got a windfall of money, it would actually hurt them. 
So that's a string then that we can put in that trust that says, you know, all right, we're going to we're going to give you five hundred dollars a month for the rest of your life or we're going to give pay your buy you a house and we're going to tend to things for you. That's where a trust comes in. But even when you have a trust, you still have a will. You always have the will. What about um, other scenarios I've seen? Special needs trust oh, for yeah. special needs children. Yeah, that's, that's the, another... the string. Absolutely. The string yeah. that somebody else is going to have to care for that child after you've passed away. And so you've got to, and there's, there's a lot of spe special rules with those, depending on if they're first party or third party funded. So there's, they're kind of tricky in that. So make sure you go to someone who is well-versed in that. And just yeah. again, thinking of different things I've seen through the years to, since we've got you here to yeah. verify if these are things that, that are, that people should be thinking about or concerned about. Uh, if you own property in other states besides Arkansas, because I'm not sure right. if every state has the beneficiary deed law. They don't. They're like, there's about, there's more and more though. There's about okay. 35 now. Okay. And and I, like I said, I'm a huge, it's the poor man's trust. And I come from a real rural poor area. So I like to make things as simple and as cheap for someone as possible. Yeah. So yeah. I like the beneficiary deeds. Yeah. 35 states, I think right now have got those. So, you know, it's this, it's moving in that direction. But you still, yeah, if you've got a state that you've got property in that doesn't have one of those, and also if you've just got a lot of stuff everywhere, you've got stuff in Iowa and Florida and Minnesota, sometimes it's nice to just stick it in one pot and have one person dealing with it rather than each of the heirs. You've got five kids. Now they all own the parcels in three different states. It can be complicated. So yeah. a trust is easy for that. Again, strings attached afterwards. So. And then the, the last thing I've, I've seen from time to time is a client might go off and meet with an attorney to develop a trust, but then they never actually fund it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You've seen yeah. That, or I they assume. fund it initially. You know, yeah. we can do a lot of things to help the client, but at some point, you know, I can't go into a client's bank and change anything because that's a contract between the client and the bank. So the client has to go and change beneficiary designations or change that account over to the trust. I can't do that for them. So you give them instructions, you help them, you give them all the paperwork. You can even send stuff to the bank. Some, some lawyers do that, not as much anymore. But ultimately, it's the client who has to go in and sign for it. So a lot of people, too, probably a, a very big mistake is that in common is that they put this first house that they've got currently in the trust, but they sell it. They buy a townhouse when they downsize. They forget to put that townhouse in the trust. So deeds, they run with the land. They don't cover everything you ever owned from, you know, now the, when the angels come. So you got you to keep, you know, monitoring that. And any new property that you get, you still got to put a beneficiary deed or a warranty deed to the trust. So a beneficiary deed, yeah. uh, we'll just unpack that for a second. So if, if you own your home, can it, does if it has a mortgage on it, can you still do a still beneficiary? Still can. Yeah, right. still can. You know, that the mortgage is still going to go with that property. So it's okay. still subject to that lien. But yeah, you can put it on any property you own, and not even residential. It's any property that you own. Any property we own. Yeah. If you have a deed on it, whether you have a mortgage or not, yeah. you can do a beneficiary deed. So we put a beneficiary on that deed. That beneficiary, do they have any rights to that property while the not, owner is still alive? Not a bit. Not a one. So if you left, if David were to deed his house over to his daughter and she goes mm -hmm. out and has an accident that his daughter gets sued, nope. it could not touch his home. Nope. It's not That's in her name. She has no vested interest until he passes away. But what's awesome is that the moment you pass away, the legal title is in her name. All she's got to show is that a death certificate. We file that with the county clerk and you're done. What about uh, on this note, uh, a question that comes to mind, can it be contested? What if you leave your house to one of your children 
and the other child says, you know, tries to contest that beneficiary deed. You know, anyone can sue for any reason. Uh, people say, I want to make sure I don't ever get sued. Well, good luck. If you figure that out, let me know. Because that and the cure to cancer is going to make us millionaires. But So anyone can sue it, can sue about it. Are you going to win? Yeah, probably. I mean, you're going to have to show that that person didn't know what they were doing. They were, they were, they signed it fraudulently. It's not their signature, but you know, it's going to be in front of a notary. So you'd have to also say the notary was fraudulent. Not that it can't happen, can happen, but that's few and far between. And actually, will contests are few and far between. That you know, Hollywood dramatizes that to make the and the big reading of the will and stuff. You know, I hate to burst folks' bubbles, but that really doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen. So. No. Well, you mentioned about the trust in a will. Everybody needs a will. Mm -hmm. You might need a trust if you want to put some strings to it. And you mentioned these big three-inch binders, which is actually what I brought to your office, and you made fun of me for that. A little chastising. Yeah. Little, little chastising. So <laughs> people are wondering, well, you know, I don't want to go to a lawyer because oh, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. Oh, no. and, and we're not going to hold anybody to these numbers, but yeah. on in general, a normal will would be X and a trust would be Y. Can you give any kind of perspective to that? How much does a car cost? Depends on the car. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, That's you the go. answer to it. So I don't know. It's funny, you know, because I don't know a lot of what everybody else charges in my field. They're kind of tight-lipped. Um, <laughs> I know what I charge. I know what a few of my close contemporaries charge. Um, they're all over the map. Um, I mean, I would think for you, you're going to spend probably – 500 to a thousand for your basic will and you know living will and power of attorney but i know lawyers who charge much much more than that um your trusts can come anywhere from you know 1500 to 4000 depending on the more you get into a special needs trust or even more so that like a medicaid qualifying yeah. asset protection trust you're sure. going to you're going to pay heftily for the, those. The more complex the planning is, the, the more, more complex it is. Be. But here's also the thing. Do you know how much a probate costs? I mean, so we talk about this on the front end, but if you look at it on the back end, first of all, I can't probably fix what it is on the back end that you wished you'd had. But if I can, probates are going to take, I mean, they can take two years and 20 grand. Yeah. And the lawyers pocket most of that. So my goal is to keep things as you know, relatively inexpensive and yet in the in the grand scheme of things, get you where you're wanting to go and keep it out of lawyers' pockets. So. And what you're saying is you're going to pay it one way or the other. You're going to either do it up you, front or you're going to do it on the back. End. Yeah, but you're going to do it much less on the front. Okay. You're going to pay much less on the front than you are in the back. Planning. Just your first words at the very front is yeah, planning. planning. Okay. All right. So you, your client comes in and sits down with you in general. What are some of the first questions people ask? What are the things they want to just talk about? You know, it's funny because I try to direct the question going back to the goal because people initially immediately want to go into, I don't have an estate. I don't have a lot. I want a simple will. That's usually where a lot of folks start. Well, you do have an estate. If you have, did you come here in a vehicle? Yes. Did you go sleep under a roof? Yes. You have an estate. And the state is not, you know, J.R. Ewing in Dallas. It doesn't have to be <laughs> South Fork. It, it's just, you've got stuff. And we need to figure out where this stuff goes. I always want to try to help people guide them into what, what they want to see happen and then do reality checks. A lot of times people want to do things that are just not going to work out in the end. Like they want one kid who doesn't get along with any of their siblings, but they want that person in charge. 
that's probably going to set yourself up, you know, for your family up for some nightmares. Or they want to leave the family farm to a son who has no business acumen or doesn't want the farm. So getting to the goals first is usually the best way, you know, even get them off the questions about, I just, I don't have an estate and I just want a simple will. All right. So they got to know their goals and if not, you're going to help them figure those goals out. Got to figure out what, yeah. Okay. Where you're headed. All right. So, you know, when somebody's out there and they, they hear this podcast, like, man, I need to get that done. What are some things they should look for when looking for an attorney besides calling your number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just call someone who this is what they do. I mean, I'm, uh, I remember um, I was befriended by a judge when I was in junior high school, and he taught me a lot of valuable lessons, some about the law and, and most about life. But it was, don't go to Burger King and order a steak. And it's a good, it's a good lesson. That's true. Do, get what they do. So same thing with lawyers, same thing with doctors. You, know, it, you wouldn't go to the car salesman and try to plan your vacation. Mm-hmm. So you don't go to a lawyer who does estate planning. It can be basic estate planning. It can be complicated estate planning. Everybody's kind of got their specialty, and um, but go to some. Don't go to your divorce lawyer typically to get your estate plan done if that's not what he does. Yeah, yeah. That, that's very good advice. And most people think when well, an attorney, well, any attorney can do a will or a trust, but it maybe used they can, to. Well, you know, but, it used to be, but if that's not what they do. You know, the the folks across the street from me, I love them dearly. They're awesome. And we joke about that a lot because one of them, that's he does divorce work all the time. And so we'll banter back and forth. If I if I spout out something, he goes, oh, oh, yeah, let, ask me about that. I can tell you all about you. And, and, of course, we're being facetious because he, I mean, yeah, we had it in law school, but it's been 30 years ago, and that's just not what he does. So go to someone that that's what they do. Yeah. you. I think your analogy earlier was spot on. Of You wouldn't go to a... A, uh, if you if you have a knee problem, you wouldn't go to a cardiologist. You don't. Yeah. You don't. I mean, you can, and yeah. he's a doctor, yeah. but he's you know, it's probably not going to be the best advice you're going to get from right. him. Yeah, and word of mouth is good. If you know that your neighbor has had good luck with someone or bad luck, I mean, w- bad word of mouth travels faster. So at <laughs> least you you know you know you know you get a good recommendation. So. All right. So David, uh, looks like we've come to the end of our questions here. If we do a real quick recap of what Kelly has, uh, Kelly, Lisa has shared with us today. You can call me Hey You, Mike. It's okay. <laughs> I don't care. I'm still <laughs> thinking that. Thank you, Loudy. Thank you, Loudy. <laughs> first things first is you got to plan. If you don't plan, it's going to cost you. 10 times as much on the back end. So you got to come in with a plan. You got to know what your goals are when you visit with an attorney. And some of the things everyone needs, if you're over 18 years old, and I've heard you say this in our seminars, Mm -hmm. you got to have a will, need your power of attorneys, a living will, and your final dispositions, you know, what what, funerals and things like that. Some people may need a trust, some people may not. Uh, Safety deposit boxes, you don't recommend them. You recommend a safe at home. Trust only if you want to put some strings attached past the grave. Beneficiary deeds and transfer on death for vehicles and things are wonderful. Easy things that pass by probate could be possible. Uh, probate can take up to two years. I had no idea I could do that. Oh, it can take much longer than two years, but that's kind of an... Uh, so anything we can do to average. prevent that is... Oh, yeah. That's why we come to you. Absolutely. Uh, and some of the things that people come to ask you are, you know, I don't have an estate. I just want a simple will. And you're like, if you're over 18 and you drive or live somewhere, you have an estate. Everybody does. 
and then contact an attorney that does this. Don't go to a divorce attorney to get your will done. Unless they do wills. I mean, some of them do. But most of us, you know, the general the general lawyer in the small town who does everything is, is kind of a dying breed. Yeah. So we've asked you a bunch of questions today. You've been very courteous to give us some answers. So tell us what's going on in the life of Lisa. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? What is going on in the life of Lee? Well, I got married during a pandemic on April Fool's Day <laughs> because that's what everyone does. And this right? is the truth. <laughs> this is the truth. No joke. Yeah, I got married. and So we have had, um, my husband went from a four-bedroom large house in Springdale to an 864-square-foot loft in downtown Bentonville with me and all of my zoo, my two cats, two fish, two rabbits, one dog one husband. So in, in a pandemic with quarantine and so it's, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. Yeah. But we're doing well. Yeah. He smells weird and he leaves crumbs everywhere. But other than that, yeah, we're, we're doing well. Wait, I think, is that the cat I think or I'll the husband? Him. No, the husband. Yeah. 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 It's like, he's afraid he's going to get lost and needs to find his way home. He's just got a little trail he can go back and find, but, but he's cute. I think I'll keep him. So your animals have a new word for him. I think you used in one of your articles. He's the intruder. He's the intruder. Yeah. They were not, they don't feel like they were adequately consulted on this whole marriage thing, but they're, they're working on it. Bacon in his pocket has helped a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. But no, things are good. And, and where to contact me? I have been forever and a day at 122 South Main Street in Bentonville. I'm just a block south of the Waltons 5 and 10 in downtown Bentonville. Phone number is 479-271-0054. Right off the square. She's right downtown. You're taking new clients. Yep, yeah, still we, taking new clients. We refer folks to you all the time, and I they're always that. pleased with the results That's that we get sweet. from you. Thank so, you. I appreciate Lisa, that. Lisa, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule Happy to join to. us. Uh, David, thank you for being here today. Natalie, thank you for the marketing director and producing our podcast. If you like this podcast, you have questions, we'd love to answer those questions. You can send those to podcast at mock-onefinancial.com and we'll be happy to share those on the air here and as we do each week we always end with a thought of the day and today it comes from zig ziglar and it says don't give up on what you want most for what you want now hope you all have a great week we look forward to seeing you here again on the mock one market moment Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.